I'm going to start off today's message talking about this concept of wonder. I don't know if uh, I don't know if you are like me at all, but have you ever found yourself in a state or in a posture, in a position when you saw something or you experienced something, and, and it just created this innate feeling inside of you, like, "Wow, this is awesome!" I don't know if you are like that. For me. Uh, you can probably quickly tell I get excited about a lot of things very quickly, okay? It's not hard for me to get excited. It's quite natural, okay? And one of those things for me that creates this innate feeling of wonder and excitement is nature. I don't know if there's anybody else who gets excited about a beautiful sunset. Uh, Maybe you're married like me and you're driving down the road and it's sunset time and you stare off and the sun is hitting the clouds just right and there's a glow in the sky and here I am like crying and weeping over a simple sunset and I'm thinking to myself man isn't this wonderful and I look at Steph because naturally when I'm excited I'm gonna tell everyone about it so I look at Steph Steph look at how beautiful this sunset is I mean this is amazing we're together and she's just like yeah, it's, it's, it's fine, you know. Yeah, it's, it's okay, Micah, you know. I don't, I don't know if you're married to someone who maybe gets excited about one thing, but the spouse really isn't moved by it. But for me, I get super excited and filled with wonder when I see the ocean or I see a beautiful lake at a cabin. I'm moved by it, but Steph, not so much, you know. In fact, it brings me back to a moment I had in my living room to start in the month of January of this year. I was sitting down in my living room chair, it was in the morning, the sun was shining into the window, and I watched as my three-year-old little girl, Everly, was dancing to a song in the living room. And I get emotional very quickly, and as I was watching my daughter in a pink tutu dancing in the living room, I began to cry. And it brought me back to the moment that she was born. Being there in the hospital that day at Regions in St. Paul, and watching my wife give birth to a baby, it was special to see, but then to see how quickly three years went by and you see your girl dancing in the living room to a song, it moved me emotionally. It created within me this sense of wonder. In fact, I brought a picture of my daughter Everly today dancing in the tutu. That's her there. That was the exact moment in January. It moved me so much that I wanted to take a picture to not forget it. And as I was crying, my three-year-old girl comes up to me and she goes, Dad, why are you crying? You're you're crying, Daddy, why are you crying? And I just said, Everly, it's because I love you so much that Daddy just can't help but cry when he watches you dance. And then my little three-year-old girl goes, okay, Daddy, I'm going to keep dancing so you can keep crying. (laughs) Like, ah. (laughs) Okay, Everly. So she kept dancing. And I'm in this beautiful moment of wonder and this excitement that's within me. And then I look over to my right at my one-and-a-half-year-old son who happened to be in his own moment of wonder. Put up the picture of my boy Malachi. (laughs) He has a way of ruining moments in a humorous way. As my daughter's dancing and here I am crying, I look over to my right. My son has a coffee mug full of toothpicks and he's filling his mouth drinking toothpicks in the morning. And so here I am crying at my daughter, and then I see my son just full of toothpicks, you know? But isn't that kind of a different kind of wonder wonder in and of itself? 
the one and a half year old boy filled with wonder of what these wood objects might taste like. <laughs> the title of my message today is called Overwhelming Wonder. Could it be that we are here today and we have lost out on the wonder of Jesus? Could it be that we have not created the room in our heart to be reminded of the wonder of who Jesus is? You know, it's pretty interesting. I was reading in a book this uh, couple months ago, and in the book it says the top five biggest regrets of the dying. They did a study on those who were passing away or soon to pass, and they discovered what the top five regrets were of people who are passing away. Listen to what it says. The top five most common statements that people say when they pass away is this. I wish I wouldn't have lived a life trying to please others and expectations of others and just been myself. What does that do to us? If you boil it down at the very root, it literally robs us of wonder because our mind is so focused on the expectation of others. Number two, they said, I wish I wouldn't have worked so hard. Like they got to the end and then they looked back and they said, I wish I wouldn't have spent all my time at work. It kind of has a good job of taking away wonder when our mind is focused on work, number three was, I wish I had the courage to share my true feelings, and I wish I could have expressed them. These are people filled with fear, not feeling like they can express what's in their heart, and in turn, the fear overrides the ability to have any sort of wonder. Isn't it interesting that when you look at a child, there seems to be no lack of wonder? The experience of things, the wondering of things, the looking at things, the new experiences. I wish I would have fostered relationships with the friends around me. In other words, I wish I would have made it more about people, my family, my kids, the people closest to me. I wish that I would have let myself laugh more. You know, I was talking to a pastor. He was my pastor for many years. His name was Pastor Jerry Strandquist, and he said, Micah, he said, I see a young minister like yourself, and if I could tell you one thing, he said, Micah, don't take yourself too seriously. Learn to laugh at yourself more. Learn to have more fun. When we have the margin of wonder in our life, we find we can take things not so seriously, but begin to laugh again, begin to have a joy again. You see, one of the things we face in our society and our culture that pushes against wonder is this thought of busyness always to fill ourselves with more things or more concepts and more things. However, when you look and actually study the narrative of the birth of Jesus, when you actually look at it all, you want to know what the overarching theme found in the narrative of Jesus is? It's this overwhelming wonder that's found right there in the scripture. It's overwhelming. In fact, if you look at when Jesus was born, you might understand that God had been silent for 400 years. He hasn't talked. He hasn't spoken through his prophets like he did through the minor prophets in the Bible. So for 400 years, we have an absence of God, not really hearing much. And then all of a sudden, when you look at the life of Mary and you watch Mary's journey and experience, 
you begin to see these moments of powerful revelations in Mary's life that lead ultimately to a journey into wonder. You see the very first moment when God comes and he speaks, he speaks to this virgin named Mary. And he begins to tell her how she's going to give birth to the Messiah of the world. And naturally, like you and I, we'd ask the same question. Hey, God, I'm engaged. I'm not married to Joseph. And how in the world am I going to get pregnant when I can't have sex with my husband until I'm married? And God says that an angel is going to hover over you. And you will be a virgin giving birth to a boy named Jesus who will be the Messiah of the world. And by the way, the word I spoke to you, Mary, any word I speak, it never fails. Look at the journey of Mary. Look at her life. Can you imagine the wonder and the awe and the fear and the reverence when an angel shows up and says, you're going to be the mother of Jesus, the Savior of the world? Shortly after that, the angel tells her that her cousin, her relative Elizabeth, is pregnant. She's in her old age. Mary gets her things. She runs off to Elizabeth's house. And when she gets to the house of Elizabeth, there she is pregnant at six months old in age, not able to have children. And then when Elizabeth sees Mary, it says the baby inside of Elizabeth leapt with joy. And then it says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the wonder and fear and trembling Mary would have experienced? The baby not yet born within her, baptizing and filling her relative in the Holy Spirit because of the presence of God that is now dwelling inside of Mary. Not to forget that also Mary could have been judged, could have had her own panic attacks, could have had her own anxieties, because you want to know why? Mary was just like you and I. How awkward would it be to carry a baby knowing full well you haven't slept with anybody and then you have to tell people that God showed up and said you got the savior of the world in your belly? Awkward. <laughs> Very awkward. So much so that women were to be ostracized if they were pregnant outside of marriage. Can you imagine the fear and maybe even the shame that can creep in even in the middle of knowing God's promise? Can you imagine this? Her own journey, her own experience of these revelations, but then maybe potentially the inward battle. So much so, it says Joseph was contemplating to quietly divorce his wife. Why? Because Joseph knows the issues at hand. He knows the law. He knows what's going on in society. There's an internal struggle in the middle of God's presence and promise. An internal battle over their mind and their heart and what they ponder over. And then not to mention when the birth comes and she sees the promise fulfilled, holding the Savior of the world, knowing full well this was an act of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't man. The awe and wonder she would have felt in that moment of carrying a baby for nine months and then now seeing the fruition of the promise. But just wait, it gets even more revelatory and intense. There's shepherds, the lowest in caste in society. The shepherds see angels praising and worshiping God, telling them to go to Bethlehem. After Mary had given birth, she has these shepherds show up at her door saying, this is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. He is the promised king. And then it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, after the excitement of the shepherds, it says, but... 
This is very important, and we can easily skip over this, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. We can easily glance over this portion of Scripture and lose a simple act that Mary did in the middle of something amazing. It says Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. In fact, you might think, well, that was just Scripture's way of just kind of doing what any of us would have done. No, this probably would have been a discipline in Mary's life to learn how to capture the wonder of Jesus. Here's why I say that. Jesus is now 12 years old. He's in the temple. His parents are freaking out because they're not with him. When they go and find him, Jesus says, Mom, don't you realize I'm supposed to be about my father's business? And then it says right there in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, then he went down to Nazareth with his mom and dad and was obedient to him. But listen to this. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. There was a discipline of a mom learning how to ponder the right things, learning how to ponder the goodness and faithfulness of Jesus. If you're new to our church, I'm so happy you're here. But every Sunday, we do something called the Big So What. When we look at scripture, we just ask the question, what's the big thing I need to take away? My big so what for you today is this. Take time to treasure and ponder the goodness and faithfulness of God. Take time to ponder and treasure the goodness and faithfulness of God. Mary was just like you and I. However, imagine the journey of Mary. (laughs) Being a mom, I obviously don't understand, but I know how a mom feels for her child. Because I watch my wife and her passion for our kids. Even just the littlest thing can make her nurture, can make her want to come around her child. Imagine this. Imagine watching the Messiah promise to come through your life and obeying God, but then imagine Jesus being whipped, beaten, and you get a front row seat watching your son get beat up. Imagine the fear and the worry a mom might feel when she watches her own son being murdered and crucified on a cross. Do you not remember that Mary was also at the foot of the cross watching her one and only son who was prophesied about, the Savior who was to come being murdered? But don't you ever forget, Mary was also present to see the resurrection Savior of Jesus. Moments filled with the wonder of Jesus, but also Mary pondering and treasuring these moments in her life. And not to mention, Mary also would have been present at the baptism of the Holy Spirit where 120 believers were filled with the Spirit of God. What a powerful journey. And know what's crazy about Mary? She didn't even get to see the final story play out. If Mary could wonder and ponder the faithfulness and goodness of God, not even seeing everything play out, how much more can you and I, knowing what we know today, ponder and treasure the goodness of God? Like how in the world does three billion people come to believe and follow Jesus from a man who died? From a man who didn't come to overthrow Caesar in Rome, but a man who came to do everything he heard his father telling him to do. He was obedient, sinless, born of a virgin. Every other religious figure to walk this earth have their start in fancy or fact. 
Jesus was the only religious figure whose birth was divine. In fact, even the Quran, the book of Allah, of Islam, it says that Jesus was born of a virgin. In fact, many Muslims have a hard time overcoming that fact that's in their own Quran. He's different. You can't find his body. And what God wants us to do in this season is to begin to ponder and treasure his goodness and his faithfulness in our life. Well, how in the world do we ponder the treasure and goodness of God? How in the world do we do that in the middle of a year? Well, I brought my treasure box with me to help illustrate this today. And this is a gold treasure box straight from the kids' ministry of Zoe Church, okay? <laughs> and you want to know what? Sometimes the best illustrations are childlike because it's simple, and the simple truth is enough for what we need to transform us. So in this treasure box, I brought some goodies. I can't guarantee that everybody gets one today, okay? Uh, does anybody have a craving for some uh, salty potato chips, some Lay's potato chips? Anybody? Any salty potato chip fans out there? You want some Lay's? Okay, come on, yeah, come on up. You can come get some. There you go. That's for you. Enjoy some potato chips while we preach today. Uh, uh, I know if you're like my wife, you have a sweet tooth, okay? So I brought some candy too, all right? Is there anybody who likes Skittles, the taste of the rainbow? Right there. I see her. There you go. There's some Skittles for you. Anybody, you're peanut butter fans, you like Reese's, you're into the peanut butter goodness. Okay, right back there, there we go, perfect. Do we have anybody who, uh, by the way, these are my favorite, anybody like Kit Kats out there? Yeah, Kit Kat film? Okay, right over here. So I want to teach you real quick how to eat the Kit Kats, real quick, real, real quick. What you do is you put the Kit Kat in your mouth, you let the chocolate melt off, then you use your tongue to break apart the wafers individually, and you slowly let the chocolate melt in your mouth and eat the wafers. The best way to eat a Kit Kat. There you go. Just try it. There you go. And then uh, this is, I, I don't understand plain M&Ms. I think they should be removed from the stocks. I think uh, peanut M&Ms are the best. But is there anybody that likes plain M&Ms? You're a plain one? You're a plain one. Okay, there you go, Terry. There are plain M&Ms for you. There you go. Just a little bit of humor and excitement to help me go where I need to go. This treasure box, it can represent our life. It can represent the things that we ponder and things that we hold within our own heart. Things we put our minds to, things we put our affection to. And it's possible that the things inside of our own heart and our own mind, it's possible that it can consume so much that we begin to lose any sense of wonder in our life for who Jesus is. What if the thing in our life that's taking up the most space is financials? always checking the stock market because we're heavily invested in stocks. And it's like what we ponder most, if really we were to examine our life, we wouldn't find room for Jesus, but we'd find a lot of room for money. We'd find a lot of room for worrying about money or worrying about the stocks. Or what if that wasn't the one that we pondered the most, but what if it was an election that consumed a lot of our attention, a lot of our emotion, our mind, the fear of what business might look like for you, the fear of a president, either one of what the country could look like, ideals, foundations. I can begin to suck the joy out of a season that God called us to just ponder and treasure him. Uh, you know, an election can oftentimes do that to us. Maybe it's a doctor notice. Just talked to a friend early this morning who has surgery on Wednesday. We're going to pray for her before she leaves. But it's like what ponders 
in your heart more than anything else has been your decreased health. Maybe it's a family member you lost to COVID this year. Maybe it's a diagnosis of cancer or a surgery that you just have issues with. It's like health is always on your mind. Maybe this is the worst one, in my opinion, that can hurt the most, but maybe it's wounds from a relationship. I'm convinced one of the greatest pains really isn't physical. It can be, but it can sometimes be the wounds of a friend. Relationship issues. Like it always, you're pondering about it. You, you keep thinking about it. It fills your treasure box. It fills your, your mind. It, it consumes you the most. and it, it drowns out the love of Jesus in your life. Maybe it's trust issues. Can't trust this person anymore. They blew it. Or this person lied about this, so I'm done with them. Maybe it's this concept of trust, the foundational aspect of any kind of relationship. When trust is broken, it's like you begin to ponder the distrust, and now who can I trust? It's like this consumes your mind and consumes your heart from trust issues. Maybe it's a recent divorce or a past divorce, or maybe it's the affairs the emotional affairs, the amusings you've been drawn to through people you work with or people you meet with. Maybe it's contemplating leaving a spouse or ending a marriage. Maybe that is what consumes the mind the most in the heart. What a hard way to live. What if it's the wounds of a past, past things, past hurts, past wounds, things that always come back up in our mind, looking to rob us of intimacy and looking to rob us of our presence past things. Maybe it's something as simple as sports. The love of sports, the checking of sports. This is a heart check for me. I love sports. And if I'm not careful, the love of a sport can outweigh the pondering and love of who Jesus is. Maybe it's something as simple as a cell phone. Always on our phone. Always having to check things. Always having to be on the gram or scrolling through TikTok and all these kinds of things, and that is what fills our life. Or maybe it's one of the top five regrets. Maybe it's just work. Your mind always spinning about work. Your mind always thinking about work. No time to rest, seven days a week. Responding to emails on your off days. Contemplating and always fixing your heart and mind on work. Well, we already read about the regrets of what work can do from the dying. But know what I've noticed about all of the things I've just pulled out and maybe the things I haven't mentioned? Is it always leaves our heart completely empty. It always leaves our mind and our heart completely in an empty space. You notice how the things I just mentioned, it doesn't bring any value and doesn't add to any moments in our life. In fact, it robs the overwhelming wonder of Jesus. Could it be that our treasure boxes are full of an overwhelming stress, an overwhelming anxiety, an overwhelming fear? You fill in the blank. And all the while, Jesus is saying, I just want to be the wonder in your life. I want you to wonder about me. I want you to see me again. I want you to understand my love again. You know, there is a reason why Paul prayed that the church of Ephesus might know how high, how deep, and how wide the love of Jesus is. is because he knew if they could grasp that, the wonder of Jesus could do more than any of the things that I just mentioned and listed here. In fact, you know what I find that's interesting is 
What does the book of Proverbs say continuously to young men? Store up. Store up. Treasure. Store up in treasure. Store up in treasure the commands I've given you. Hide them in your heart. Put them deep inside you. Treasure it. Why? Because when the word of God is found in your treasure box, when the word of God is found in your heart, in your mind, the things that stand when the end of your life is a word that never fails. Just how the angel said to Mary that no word ever spoken by God will ever fail. But it's possible that in the year 2020, we have forgotten what really matters. We have forgotten what we can really ponder on. It's like what Psalm 1 says, meditate on my word day and night, and you will be planted near streams of water bearing fruit in each season. You will never prosper, you will never wither, because the words you meditate on last forever. The overwhelming wonder of Jesus blows my mind time and time again. It transcends human thought and understanding. It transcends the greatest philosophers and human minds to ever put their minds towards a test or task. The love of Jesus confounds the wise but draws the foolish. The love of Jesus is unlike anything else we can ever ponder. When you come to Zoe Church and you experience a Sunday morning, you're gonna hear a big so what that we can ponder and take home, but then also we love to give our church a challenge, something they can do throughout the week. And my challenge, I just put it into a rhythmic way, Making a list. Check it, you should. Gonna find out who's faithful and good. Always only Jesus. It's true. I want every person to practice this this week. Find a quiet space in your house where you can literally make out a list of the goodness of God in your life. It'd be one thing for me to give you a challenge but not do it myself, and I decided to write down on an airplane flying home from a trip recently, and as I began to write it down, I came across this exhaustive list. I just thought about the sins he's forgiven me of, the times where I disobeyed or was caught in an addiction. And he broke it and he forgave me. It's the goodness of God. I think about the moments I've encountered him where I knew without a shadow of a doubt I had encountered Jesus. I think about the times of loss, deep loss in my life. And then his presence overwhelming me in the middle of loss. The times where my wife and I were called to sacrificially give to missions or an offering and just trusting him and then watching his goodness on the back end of obedience. I think about leading me to my wife of eight years and the two children that I get to watch dance in the living room or put toothpicks in their mouth. I think about the friends God's placed in my life, like the people he's given me and put into my life. I think about a church that he allowed me to grow up in and the spiritual fathers he put in my life at that church. 
I think about seeing the healing of my sister's cancer right before my eyes. I think about seeing God's faithfulness over my sister's and I in the brokenness we endured in a broken home. I think about the moments when I tore up my knee this past year in 2020 and two random families sent large checks to our ministry to help get us through. I think about the groceries that were dropped off at her house when my mom couldn't buy groceries. I think about the cash that was given by strangers and anonymous people when we weren't sure if we were gonna make payments or rents in a single mom's house. I think about the moments of someone giving me a car so I could travel and preach. The moments where families donated, donated for us to continue on in the ministry. The pastors God placed in my life. I have a whole list here. And you want to know what it does when I sat down to make a list and check it I should and begin to think about the goodness and faithfulness of God? You want to know what happened to me as I literally began to write these things out, like forcing myself to write it out? There was an overwhelming wonder of Jesus again. An overwhelming wonder of Jesus again. It was like it writing it out, like physically having to write it out and write it down on paper. And it's like it began to magnify Jesus and magnify God again. Time and time again in Scripture, all over it, you see this word remember, recount and remember, recount and remember. To remember what? What God has done in your life. Man will fail you. Organizations will guard their territories. People will hurt you. But God is always faithful and good. And we're called to take time to treasure and ponder his goodness. After all, what is the one thing that if we thought about the most could change everything? The gospel. How amazing and wonderful and how powerful is it to think about that you and I don't deserve anything from him. That you and I were lost in our sins. That you and I were full of pride and greed. That you and I were full of selfishness. That we have adulterous thoughts. That we have wrong thinking. That you and I would be like this. But then God, out of his great love, would give his one and only son Jesus for us? For the broken people, for the messy ones, God would do all that for us? Have we forgotten the greatest mystery and the greatest things to ponder, the gospel? When you think about who Jesus is and what he came to do and what he came to bring and institute on this earth, it should create in all of us a heart of Gratitude, a heart of God, thank you. In fact, it might cause you to do what happened in the story of Mary where she couldn't help but burst into worship. She couldn't help but burst into a new song of praise. Let this year not be defined by the moments you've walked in, the defeats you've experienced, but let this year be defined by the goodness, faithfulness of God and his all-consuming, unfailing love, unconditional love that he purchased for every single one of us here today. May our minds be put back and begin to treasure and ponder the things that will never fail. An overwhelming wonder. 
I want everyone just to bow their heads, close their eyes, no one looking around. This is the most important moment right now. If you've walked away from Jesus, you've never followed Jesus, you're unsure about Jesus, you're wounded and don't really care to follow Jesus, this whole story that I shared with you is all about Jesus coming to you, not you coming to him. It's all about his love finding you, not you finding his love. You see, Mary isn't special in and of herself. She's just like you and I. The special things is who Jesus is in his glory. He came to call you home. He came to find you. He came to set you free and give you something called eternal life with him forever. You see, one day all of us will die. Will it be said of us the regrets that come from the dying? Or will it be said of us this was a person who received the love of Jesus and chose to humble themselves and follow him? You cannot earn God's love. You cannot earn God's salvation. You'll never be able to do it. But you can surrender to it. And you can give your life to him and let him be the Lord of your life. If you're here and you want to follow Jesus and surrender to him, no one looking around, I just want you to put up your hand right where you are right now. Just slip up a hand so I can see it. You want to give your life to Jesus. So cool. Anybody else? So cool. Thanks for being honest. Counted three people who saying, yeah, I want to surrender. Praise God. Church, would you just pray with me this morning? All of us together, would you repeat after me? Just say, Jesus, I'm lost without you. Apart from you, I can't do it. But because of you, I can. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins and the empty treasure that I've been carrying. God, I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. Would you help me to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church, can we clap for the three people who decided to give their life to Jesus today? I just want to say that's the beginning of a life that God has in store for you.